0: This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is The James Altucher Show. So, Robin. Yes? Do you think you're in love with me?
1: Oh, no.
2: No, I don't think. I know.
0: I know I'm in love with you as well, and... At some point, we could tell the story of our first date where I think I fell in love with you before you fell in love with me, but I was definitely a love at first sight person. But we were friends for for a while. We were friends (laughs) for over a year (laughs) or about a year. And I think a lot of people often are in the friend zone with people they are in love with or potentially in love with. And while we're talking about romantic relationships, some of the ideas that I'm going to talk about here and that, and that Robin and I are going to talk about here also apply to business relationships, employer, employee relationships. It's not just intimacy is not just about romance. Intimacy is how you work with people. It's about your friendships. It's about your relationships within the community. Now, of course, you're not romantically intimate with your boss. At least I hope not. Uh, I mean, that does happen. If you fall in love with your boss, the, Jay, try not to fall in love with me, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, but that's not what we're talking about here. Although I'll I'll refer to it a little. So there was, and, and in an, in a separate podcast, uh, Robin and I are going to talk about what your IQ is, and I don't mean your intelligence quotient, but but the intimacy quotient of your relationship. So that's in a future podcast. But this one is specifically a technique to move from the friend zone. Or let's say the, you know, employee zone to the... Well, let's just stick with the friend zone for a second. The friend zone to the romance zone.
1: And... Uh, I could ask, is it possible? I feel like I've tried a million times. and It's never possible. Well,
0: oh. let's see how you think after this technique. So, okay. uh, and this is not like some pickup scene. Like, Like, I'm assuming right. already that you're not really in a bar or... Uh, a party and you're meeting someone for the first time. I'm assuming, you know, you know, somebody you're on a date and you're trying to figure out how to kind of, uh, make, you know, on a date, everybody is taking in a ton of information. Uh, like you're like, where is he or she taking me? Um, what does he or she look like? What does he or she smell like? What What is he or she, you know, kind of the external things. What do they do for a living? What are, what's interesting about them in their resume? And then, but then there's the more kind of like how you interact, how you make someone laugh and, and that sort of thing. So this is just kind of one aspect of it. But so I, I was looking at a lot of different research on this and there was a paper uh, uh, with a, a ton of experiments. Uh, the, if you want to read the original paper, which is hard to read because it's academia, uh, the paper is called the experimental generation of interpersonal closeness, a procedure and some preliminary findings. And it's by, um, the main author is Arthur Aaron from SUNY Stony Brook, but there's also professors from, uh, UC Santa Cruz, Arizona state University. There's a bunch of professors who, who did this research and combined their, their findings. The main conclusion is, is that one, and I'm quoting them one key pattern associated with development of a close relationship is sustained escalating reciprocal, personalistic self-disclosure. So there's a lot of words there. So again, I'm going to, I'm going to break this down. So they look, so they look at not only romantic relationships, but again, friendships, let's say you just started a job and you want to, um, you want your boss to notice you more, or let's say you're pitching investors or doing sales. So that's, that's what they mean by close relationship is, is, you go from stranger, being a, a relative stranger, to being closer.
1: And All right. So, uh, does it doesn't mean it doesn't matter. Does it doesn't mean it's a lover. Right.
0: But I'm going to talk about it in the context of okay. romance because I think that's the most common. I mean, it's not the most common, actually. And it's not even maybe the most important. But I mean, I think people who are in love with each other do what I'm about to suggest automatically. But okay. so they that's why they said close relationship among peers. But the key pattern is. Sustained meaning it continues over time. Mm-hmm. Escalating means it increases. Reciprocal means it goes both both ways. Personalistic means it's about yourself. Self disclosure meaning revealing things about yourself. And so escalating means you don't start off with like you're you, it's not like you're on your your the first minute of your first date and you say let me about tell you about the time I I tried to kill myself like that would be you know, that wouldn't be escalating. That would be, you know, jumping off the roof. You've escalated too much. Uh, reciprocal means both sides are revealing. And of course it's got to be, why does it, why, why do you think personalistic is important? Why do you think it has to be self-disclosure as opposed to like, Oh, here's some interesting facts about life.
1: What do you mean by, uh, what's, what's the word self-disclosure?
0: Yeah. It's about you. You're saying things about yourself that are maybe revealing that nobody, that that very few people, only people close to you might know.
2: Trust. That
0: yeah, that? I think trust, trust. Is, a, is 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 a, a good one. Like, oh, he he trusts me, and that's why I think if it escalates too fast, that's a bad sign because whoa, whoa, why is this person? I barely know this person. He's trusting me too much.
1: Mm. Right. Yeah. Because I I always heard that like, oh man, you are revealing yourself too much. You know, you have to like, you, you want to be an open book, but at the same time, you want to keep it mystery. A
0: little bit, but I—that's why the escalating is important. Start off small, and if they're—and you know—kind of encourage them. When you start off small, also it's easier to encourage. And and by the way, we're going to get to the actual thirty-six questions that this study uses to get people closer. So, and right. and we'll see how they escalate. I think the key is you get someone to say, "Oh, uh, well, we'll see some of the questions." But if someone starts off small, then their brain. Tells them, "Oh, I am the type of person who reveals personal things to this almost stranger." And so, as their brain gets comfortable with that, then it's possible to escalate. So, yes, this is a technique. But I think the other thing too is is that um, you're you're spending something. You're you when you reveal something about yourself, like you just said, Jay. You, you know, people even say, "Oh, keep things close to the vest." You're 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 spending a little bit of your mystery advantage in order to get this vulnerability advantage, and I think people are afraid to do that. So, uh, you know, that's important.
1: Yeah, that's uh, it's funny when you said the 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 words uh, escalating. That also remind me of what Chuck uh, Palahniuk said the other day. It's like never start your book with the most important stories. Right.
0: Yeah, and, and you know what I I had to think about that because I see I know I know of a lot of writers who do start with their most important stories, and I, I right. think I think often in a book. Uh, I mean, I can think of many, many examples where people do start with their most important stories. So, so I'm still not entirely sure about that, Ah. but, but perhaps the most meaningful stories. Yeah. Maybe they, that's different than important. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll see, but, um, there's something else I was thinking. Oh, it also reminds me of David Litt who came on. He was, uh, uh, the speech writer for president Obama. And he talked about how in a good speech you want to build a ladder of meaning. like first things that have small meaning but everybody can relate to it but they have small meaning and then you get to bigger and bigger meaning like you know the the civil rights movement so he you know he broke down a martin luther king speech and you know martin luther king talks about how he was sick and this this happened and this happened so okay you care about someone because they're sick and you want them to be better but then he escalated it until finally he's talking about i have a dream and that's the i have a dream speech so uh uh so anyway The the important thing is though they give in this research, they give a list of questions they they did on thousands of subjects and they determined that as people who were relative strangers, they made sure people were kind of like on the same page on some big issues. That's how they qualify people to be part of the study. So these people weren't, it wasn't like one was a evangelical religious person and the other person was an atheist. They, they like more or less were similar, but, they wanted to compare if someone, if two people asks the, ask these questions compared with two people who didn't ask these questions, who felt closer at the end. And the people who asked these questions felt much, much closer at the end. Mm -hmm. So the idea here is the technique is if you're on like a first date or a second date or whatever, try some form of these questions. And by the way, they mentioned it's important to do them in order because of the escalating aspect and you know, see what happens. And then one more important thing before we go into the questions, this, what they, all they measured was if people feel right now, more intimate with each other after asking these questions. And obviously if you want to build sustained intimacy and romance and love and marriage, you kind of have to be vulnerable and self-disclosing you know, on a long-term basis. You, you have to keep watering the plant for the relationship to, to continue to grow. there's either right. growth or death in, in a relationship. So, so that's just important to remember. So, Robin, how about uh, I will ask you some of these questions and I will also answer them. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, I'm going to keep
1: quiet because I don't have <laughs> any partner.
0: Yes, you're, you're the lonely bystander.
2: You're the third wheel. You're the third wheel. There's
0: another set of questions for, uh, if it's not a romantic relationship, they call it uh, small talk questions. So oh. if you're building, so I should have used these whenever I've been in a party and I've been feeling like introverted or awkward. These would have been good for me to know. You still want to do the same technique: escalate,? Right. Self-disclosure. but uh, you, you have to start with small talk. Like, like what do you think about the weather sort of thing. <laughs> but anyway, OK, here's t- uh, the slips for closeness generating. Um, okay. slip is a question. Questions for closeness generating. Uh, given the choice of anyone in the world, whom would you want at a, as a dinner guest?: You? <laughs> good, Good answer. Uh, other than me. Hmm. I would say anyone in history even too.
2: Anyone in history? Yeah. Well, wow. Um, oh
1: wait, so this is not multi… Like you, have, you can choose the answer? So it's like something they have to come yeah, up Yeah, so it's
0: self-disclosure. If it's multiple choice, it's not self-disclosure.
1: Uh, it's test disclosure.
2: <laughs> oh, that's hard because there's so many people. Um,
0: yeah, and by the way… it Probably almost like, like Einstein… Yeah, Einstein might be interesting. Why?
2: Just because I think his brain was just so amazing and so he would be so interesting to talk to.
0: I wonder if he would be, like, or if he was like so interesting because he was constantly thinking in his right. head, maybe he wouldn't be interesting to talk to. Uh and But I think he was very
2: creative. So I, I would enjoy a creative conversation like that.
0: Yeah. Uh Einstein's a good one. Ideas I, I think and 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 so see, this is this is self-revealing, but in a small way, like it shows me, oh, you might be attracted to smart people, for mm-hmm. instance. And so now I'm thinking I definitely of my, am. Yeah. I, I I'm thinking of my answer. And the first one that comes to mind is uh Jesus, of course, just to see what the hell he was all about. Like, did he really <laughs> He was, was just a man? Yeah, but did he why was he <laughs> able to inspire, you know, ultimately billions of people? Yeah. Uh now, but but okay, but I but that almost seems too uh, cliche. And Einstein's a good one. Um, well, I, it's funny.
1: Like
2: we didn't ask you, Jay.
1: No, but but I'm Jay, who joking. would? Who <laughs> know, I'm, would <laughs> just,
2: I'm just teasing.
1: Who who oh, would you pick, Jay? Because this, this would be bad. But this would be bad. It's almost uh almost. I wouldn't say offensive, but I would I would I would love to have a dinner with Genghis Khan for some reason. Oh, Genghis Khan, because we're all descended from him. <laughs> no, but you know yeah, what? That's like, an interesting that, one because yeah. this is a person who
0: without really I mean he didn't there was no fancy I mean there was big armies yeah. back then but they didn't have any fancy weapons or anything like that and he essentially conquered all of Asia. I don't know if he got up to Europe, but he did conquer got, all of Asia and, yeah. and from from so, China to the Middle East.
1: I'm just curious, like you live in such a cold country. You, you have nothing. And why why would you have such a big ambition? Because like back However, 1000 years ago, I assume there's no internet. You don't know what's out there, you know? Like how do you know you'll be able to do all this thing and what gives you the idea to do all this do all this thing? You know what I mean? It's just it's just curious. Yeah, like why see. would he
0: feel the need to to basically conquer the world yeah. at that time? Like why not just have a pleasant life with your family and and relax
1: and Yeah. Because you always talk about like, you know, like if some someone do something because they got hurt by some sort of uh you know someone or something before, like I wonder what he got hurt before, you know like maybe we know or Hitler, maybe
0: he didn't like his home life, and he figured, maybe. okay well, I could rape and pillage all the time. <laughs> that seems like for him that seemed like a better life, uh, yeah,
1: so who I mean knows? like there's something they must have he must have like uh you know like see or something that he might have seen or he might have done they're like, okay, this few good, or you know. Because if you think about it, like, why, like you said, why why is the need of conquering, and also what, and also also what his strategies were for conquering? Let's not forget he was the most successful
0: conqueror in history. I would say in terms of ranking, there's there's Genghis Khan, there's Alexander the Great, who went all the way from Mm -hmm. let's say, uh, Eastern Europe down to Mm -hmm. India and with Persia along the way. There was Charlemagne, uh, not Charlemagne the God who's been on this podcast a couple of times, but Charlemagne yeah. the Emperor who was born in 754 AD who basically yeah. conquered and unified Europe. It's probably the only time before and since that Europe's been fully unified. Uh, maybe there's Attila the Hun who was with his, you know, oh, yeah, tribes were able to conquer the Roman Emperor which had lasted for, you know, 800 years about. Uh,
1: yeah.
0: uh, what other successful conquerors were there? Of You know, Napoleon took, you know, both, both. I don't want to say Hitler was a successful conqueror because he really wasn't, but...
1: He's not a conqueror. I don't think he's a conqueror. He's more like a dictator. Yeah, but the one thing about both Napoleon and
0: Hitler messed up strategically, which is interesting that Hitler didn't try to learn from Napoleon's mistakes, is they both tried to invade Russia and they both basically uh, just lost their shit in in Russia.
1: Yeah, well, the only, I think the only one that... That we mentioned that uh, successfully conquered Russia, it's going to get because you know it's right there. Right, but Russia wasn't unified at the time. Yeah, it wasn't unified at the time. Yeah, I mean
0: Russia's technique—Russia almost is the best defender because their technique is just to withdraw and withdraw and withdraw, and eventually the Russian winter gets everyone.
1: They have the they have the terrain uh, advantage, right? That's what you call it, the geographical advantage because it's so cold out there.
0: Yeah you know, it's like, it's like I'm going through all the people. First off, having a podcast is almost like, it's like I get to answer this question all the time because whoever I have on my podcast is someone I've dreamt of having dinner with. Like, you know, you mentioned Chuck Palahniuk earlier. I mean, he's he's one of my favorite writers and I get to talk to him for one, two hours whenever he comes on the podcast. It's like a dream come true or or Gary Kasparov. I get to talk to him about chess for a couple hours or
1: it's, it's great because because now you and Chuck. I mean, I, I don't know how much you guys keep in touch, but like he's likes you a lot. Like he sent you a nice note after the podcast. Yeah, and
0: um, uh, even Robert Greene. Yeah, and Robert Greene is always so interesting and so smart to to learn from. So it's like I get to answer. It's like I don't have to answer this question. I get to live it. On a, it's not a it's not a dream scenario for me. I've had nine hundred guests or a thousand guests on this podcast. There were all people I could have answered this question with. All these astronauts athletes, yeah. writers, you know, Richard Branson, you know, again, Gary Kasparov, all these people I would have. So I'm thinking more historical. Robin picked kind of like, uh, a uh, of an extremely smart person, perhaps the smartest person ever. Jay, you picked one of the probably the greatest conqueror ever. So I'm thinking of someone in the middle and maybe this sounds a little corny, but Lao Tzu, the author of the Tao Te Ching, oh. because on the one hand, a lot of people assume Taoism is a, and that Lao Tzu was a very spiritual person and Taoism is a spiritual sort of religion, but there's a huge theory that Lao Tzu had nothing to do with religion or spirituality and that the book, the Tao Te Ching is completely a political text. And he was trying to advise the Chinese emperor at the time, how to be a better emperor. So there is that theory that Lao Tzu and the Tao Te Ching is totally political. So I would be curious to have dinner with him because, A, I think the Dao Te Ching, I've probably read it 500 times. It's useful for anybody to read. But uh, there's a lot of insights and, and depth to it. But I want to kind of know where it comes from. Nobody really knows much about Lao Tzu. So I'd like to I'd like to have him on the podcast or have dinner with him. So, okay, I'm going to go to the next question. Um, Robin, would you like to be famous? And in what way? No. How come?
2: Because I'm private. I don't like, I just, I don't like. I think a lot of people
0: think fame, though, is, and and, and I think people are wrong about this, but I think people think fame is when everyone loves you and (sighs) infamy is when everyone hates you.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you get both when you're famous.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think, like, just pick a random actor, like, I don't know, Matthew McConaughey. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of people love him, and I'm sure there's a lot Mm -hmm. of people who hate him. Or take J.K. Rowling, who you know uh, sold like I don't know five hundred million copies of her books, and right now a lot of because she's famous, a lot of people really hate her uh, because of yeah. recent comments. So there's made. lots
2: of jealousy. Uh, you know, you, you're not. Uh, it's just you're not going to live a private life.
1: Yeah. And also one thing I hate about I mean, I'm I'm not answering the questions, but I I'm just talking about being famous. I hate about once you're being famous, whatever you say would will yep. be like, oh, you have the responsibility to say this to you know to the public. I'm that, like, Well, you're just a regular person. That's true. And you know, I
0: am not famous, but of course, once a day if I'm walking around, someone who listens to the podcast will say hello and I'm really grateful for that. Please, if you see me anywhere say hello. I, I, I really do love it. And every time I go to an airport, I run into someone who who either reads my books or listens to this podcast. And it's very gratifying to me. And I would say initially, I thought my answer to this would be no, but I actually would like to be famous. And the reason is I think that's a metric for how many people are enjoying the, the writing I do or the podcasting I do. Like, you know, or, or a product that I made for instance, which, you know, is probably a little bit more rare, but, uh, I, I, I think it's a good way. If you're, if you're, if you're any form of entertainer and a podcaster is an entertainer, a writer is an entertainer, even if they think they're a nonfiction writer and they're writing about very serious things, nobody's going to read your shit. If, if you don't entertain, if you're not interesting. So, you know, if you're, uh, I've been a comedian, so I've been a performer, I've been, I've been a public speaker, so I've been a performer. And again, writing is a form of performance. Certainly podcasting is. So I have to say just by my actions, uh, even if I said I don't want to be famous, then I do certainly want a huge audience for all of these different things I do. I want to be liked for these things. And maybe that's because at heart I was insecure. When I was a kid, I didn't have many friends. My parents were gone all the time. And maybe I felt like a, a replacement. You know, I'm getting all therapy now, but maybe I felt a replacement for that lack of, love and attention was uh, oh the the attention of the masses so i went down this career path
2: but you know you got to take the good with the bad then
0: yeah no it's true and, and you I have no have control to, over it i have to say this year has been more bad than good i mean I'm, people love the podcast and love my writing and everything but i've certainly you know the, the the power of social media has empowered people more than ever to just be hateful and disgusting and mm-hmm. despicable and and it's been very disappointing seeing who's really your friend, and and that's who isn't.
2: right. I was gonna say, plus you, you don't really know. It's pretty lonely because you just don't know who's your friend for real. Like, are they using you? Or are they? Uh, or do they just really like you for who you are? So when you don't have that fame, and and you no one knows how much money you have, you're just a normal person. You get true friends because there's they're not after you for something else. They're just like you for who you
0: are. And, you know, I think about it like ever since I started my first business or even before that, ever since I started managing people, uh, almost all my friends in some way or other I work with. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but uh, I don't really have friends the way other people do. It's not like I I, I rarely know my neighbors. I, I don't really, I don't go... I don't do friendly activities like I don't go camping or vacationing with people or anything like that or or go to a golf well, club. But now with you're my gonna friends. do that. Hmm?
2: We're gonna go camping.
0: We'll see. Yeah, we'll see.
2: Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm introducing you to the real world.
0: Okay, here here's one. This is a good one. Um, <laughs> the next question is: Before making a telephone call, do you ever rehearse what you're going to say? No. Jay.
1: Oh wait! I do, ha- do. I have to answer this. Uh, yes. I. I will. I will ha- I have to because I am a introvert. So like, I will have to rehearse, and then have to rehearse what you reply, and then have to rehearse what's my response.
2: Oh no! I.
1: I, I
0: used to do that a hundred percent of the time, but now, I don't. Unless I'm feeling very awkward for some reason. So sometimes if I don't return a call for a long time, and then you ever get into that pattern where you don't return a call and then you feel bad, so that makes you even less want to return a call, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. And then the next day, oh, I don't really want to right now. I can't deal with it. I'll do it tomorrow. And then you eventually have to return the call, but it's two months later. So I do rehearse those. Like, How am I going to apologize about this? I feel so bad. So I guess whenever I'm feeling awkward, I I rehearse.
1: Yeah, well, the thing is, like, I have to rehearse. just. But the funny thing is, no matter how much I rehearse, once I got on the call, all the response is gonna be different. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a weird thing. That's and the then, way of it. And then I I just have to I also have to rehearse how happy how how much energy I have to put into it.
0: And and Robin, <laughs> I could see I could see why you don't rehearse because I feel like you're used to just talking to so many different types of people mm. on the phone. Like you talk to you talk to friends, you talk to family. You mm-hmm. you call. I think it's a good practice actually. Like someone said on the podcast the other day, that they make sure at the end of the day, after a hard day of work, they call someone they're close to and establish contact and you know feel that closeness through a phone call. And I think Hmm. you're one of those types of people, Mm and I'm
1: like the opposite of that. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, and also Robin's very straightforward. Yes, you know, right? So 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 if she hasn't called anyone in two months, yeah,
0: like Robin, what would you say if you hadn't called someone in two months and you feel bad about it? How would you respond? I don't
1: think I don't think I don't think Robin's gonna do that. I think Robin's just gonna return the call right away. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Robin's never 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 like miss a call. If I
2: forget, I'm like, oops, I'm sorry.
1: Uh, yeah, or like, I forgot. Wait. Yeah, because yeah, so Robin, I even, tell
2: him the truth. <laughs>
1: even
0: if I get yeah. like just a message from a random person, you're always reminding me like, did you call that person back yet? Did you call that person back yet? And I'm like, I'm never gonna call that person. <laughs> like, why would I call
1: that person back? Yeah, it's it's scary. What if the person's like, but what are say you scared of? Well, it's repetitions. For me, it's repetitions. So why does the person think that I'm dumb? I'm like a watermelon, walking watermelon. See,
2: that's your that's your thinking,
1: though. Yeah, that's the thing. That's, well, I uh, scare myself. I would that's- say when I used to it, when I used
0: to uh, when I was like in the dating world and I would ask someone out on a date, I would rehearse that a
1: little bit before making a phone call because right, those are scary. Right. Those those are really scary. Like because. Because how many how many girls would just will 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 say hi to me? Unless yeah, particularly if you don't (laughs) rehearse. (laughs) Yeah.
2: But you know when you rehearse yourself. I feel like when you rehearse, you can tell when someone's rehearsed it. Like I can.
0: That's why you get to be a good performer. I know. Um, I I can't tell. So that's
2: why I just do it on the fly.
0: to earn some money your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com/host so okay next one um when did you last sing to yourself and to someone else
2: okay well, so I'll, the question I'll answer, would be i
0: feel like I feel when like it was I the last sing- time
2: I tried to sing no,
0: I feel like you first of all, I'll say my answer, my which is i I sing to myself probably every day, and often I'm joking around and I sing to you, and that happens like either every day or every other day. I feel like we do that with each other yeah. all the time,
2: yeah, that's pretty common,
0: so um uh let me see if uh okay, this is a good one if you were able to live. To the age, and by the way, I'm doing this all in order, so I'm not looking for good ones. We just did this is number six okay. if you're able to live to the age of ninety if you're able to live to the age of ninety and retain either the mind or body of a thirty year old for the last sixty years of your life, which would you want body yeah I'm going with body there because I don't i'm want planning to be on being trapped. just I'm planning I'm... on being just as smart at ninety anyway so
2: <laughs> yeah, but if you're so like if you chose the mind, just think about how tragic that would be like all the things that you want to do but you you can't because you're too old
1: yeah i i go for body too because you know i collect dad jokes so by 90s i have a million (laughs) dad jokes that i can tell yeah (laughs) um
0: no i just think in general they're assuming the body uh, they're assuming the mind declines the way the body does i don't think the mind has to decline particularly if you have a healthy body so yeah. I think you're yeah. more likely to have a healthy mind if you have a healthy body. So I'll That's definitely true. keep the body. Yeah, just the science have, of this. Yeah. yeah, if you have dementia, just
1: play mahjong. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, but mahjong, you need to know what the other people are th- discarding.
1: Come on, Jay. Do I have to teach you about every game? <laughs> yeah, but but, but dementia. Uh, uh, like in Chinese saying, like if you have dementia, you know, just play mahjong, it will help. You know what? If you, you're right. So if you want to
0: avoid dementia, it's good to play uh, games yeah. or solve puzzles that require. Uh, a, some spatial uh, ability, which Mahjong has, and also memory, uh, mm-hmm. which which Mahjong very much has, as does chess and poker and, and card games and so on. So that's why yep. older people play bridge, all sorts of games. Do you have a secret hunch about how you will die, Robin?
2: Not really. Hunch?
0: Yeah, I sort in of my like sleep. you're so... Yeah, I kind of see that about you. You're like kind of uh, you're, you're 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 kind of strong. Like you you don't have any weaknesses. I feel I I have a, 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 I have a secret hunch that I'll have a heart attack. <laughs> Not because oh. I have any kind of you know, blood or cholesterol issues or anything, but I just think that I take on so many stresses and challenges for myself even when activities for fun like hobbies are always extremely stressful uh like like why would i take like other people take as a hobby you know uh uh stamp collecting why would i take stand-up <laughs> comedy as a hobby where you have to like go in front of a bunch of strangers tell jokes and they could literally laugh at you and make fun of you <laughs> like why would i do that as a 40 whenever i started doing that in my late
1: 40s and wait are you saying stamp collecting is not stressful have you watched national treasure what if they want that 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 the stem that only came out at one time? They have to go to behind the Statue of Liberty to find the clue to find it.
0: They, maybe I I don't know, but there's certainly a lot of hobbies that are not stressful, like looking in in a telescope every day and mapping the universe. I don't know, whatever your hobbies, or just watching football. You might get stressed if your team doesn't win, but it's not the same as that's like a passive stress. Whereas right. when you go on stage, or if you play a game of like let's say your hobby is poker you could go to have fun and lose thousands of dollars or if you go play if your hobby is chess you could play a game in a tournament you could play for five hours and you could be winning the whole time and at the end you lose that's stressful so i feel like i take on these or you could be an entrepreneur and i take on these challenging situations that are heart palpitating stress (laughs) And so I have a secret hunch that some stress related illness is how it's, it's going to, um, so, uh, uh so I want to get to the other sets. So, so we see the escalation, but also I'll, I'll just stop with this question. Number eight, but there's 12 questions in this set. Um, name three things you and your partner appear to have in common. So Robin, what are three things you think you and I have in common?
2: Well, we like to talk about our ideas.
0: Yes, that's true. We have a lot of fun doing that.
2: And creating things. That's really fun.
0: Yeah, yeah. We both like creativity.
2: And we both like to watch TV.
0: (laughs) I don't know if that's... You know what? Let's be proud of it. Like, watch TV and proud. Like, I love... I, I feel like our generation was the first generation that has basically been exposed to thousands and thousands of stories because of TV, like our language of storytelling is so much greater than prior generations. Like think like Robin, think of your grandparents. I bet you they could not tell us like they have a very old fashioned way of telling us stories. How I remember my grandparents and like, we are much better at it because we've seen so many plots.
2: Right. That's true.
0: What's another thing though. TV is kind of like everybody likes Um, watching TV. we,
2: We like to go on walks together.
0: Yeah. And walking is very health, healthy. And we like I, to travel together. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I, that's very true. And we uh, also
2: I, love experimenting together. Yeah. Everything.
0: And I think I think our values are similar. Like our views on, sure. yep. on trust and parenting and re- yes. relationships. I think our right. views on money are, are somewhat similar. Right, um, Maybe a little different. Uh, I think I'm a little more oddly… Because I've gone broke so many times, I think I'm a little more cautious than you. Um, but,
2: but that's cautious in investing part.
0: <clears throat> I think caution in spending, actually, because as as mentioned in our in hi, Jay, have we even released the How to Be Wrong or I, I No, don't know I, I'm, about that. I'm, I'm wrong podcast? Because I talk about buying a house.
1: No, yeah, yeah, I would yeah, never bought
0: won- a house.
2: Yeah, but you like to fly private, and I think it's too expensive. So I say go it's, commercial. So I, I think we balance each other.
0: All right, maybe we balance each other there. Yeah, because
2: um, I think private is just over. It's just, I don't know.
0: I I now agree with you on that. But sometimes it's it's convenient. extra. Yeah, as the
2: kids say, it's extra. Okay,
0: I'm going to move to set two, which is supposedly more escalating, and I I um so. Uh, Is there something that you've dreamed of doing for a long time? Why haven't you done it? Go to
2: space.
0: You really dreamed of going to space? Yep.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Did, when you were a kid, did you want to go to space? Yes. When I was a kid, I really wanted to go to space, but now I have no interest. But why, why haven't you done it then?
2: Uh, because I don't know. I'm not an like, astronaut.
0: <laughs> did you ever think about being an astronaut? Yes. Why didn't you go down that I'm path? I'm not
2: great at math.
0: Oh, yeah. That will stop yeah. being an astronaut. That's sort of a shame that you have to be good at math to go into space.
1: Well, but, but no, it's possible it now is possible. Origin. Now.
0: Yeah, yeah by, Origin by, and... but it costs a lot of money. By the end of our lives, it'll be possible for anyone to go into space. So I bet you, yeah. Robin, at some point, <laughs> you will go to space. Because um, that would
2: be the most amazing thing ever
0: something I've dreamed of doing for a long time. I feel I've done the things I've dreamed of doing. Um, oh, you know what? I mean, I've done this in the past, but for years. So, so when I, st- I started writing in 1989 or 1990 and I wrote four novels and dozens and dozens of short stories, but that was then. And I didn't publish any of them because I was just, I was building the skill. But now that I've been writing for 30 years, I, I really want to write a novel and I think I haven't done it because I think the reason, the real reason I haven't done it now that I'm thinking about it, a lot of it stems from insecurity that I could put so much effort into something for a year or two and then get it published, which takes another year or so. And then people just might not like it or might not read it. The average novel sells like a few hundred copies. And with, when I write articles, or blog posts or whatever, I try to do it in a storytelling fashion, even if it's nonfiction. So I, and I try to be very revealing about myself and my failures and and times I've been, you know, had hardship and and so on. And I get immediate feedback. So I like things. So when you do stand-up comedy, you get immediate feedback. When you play a game of chess, particularly if you play play speed chess, you get immediate feedback. Even being an entrepreneur, I don't enjoy as much because I don't get immediate feedback. In fact, whenever I've started a business, I like to sell it as quickly as possible to get feedback, at least as fast as possible. So I think the reason I haven't done lots of things I've dreamt of is I haven't got, I, I, one time I dreamt of getting a PhD. I didn't do that because it takes so long. I'm usually, I think I err on the side of doing things where I can get, where I can get immediate feedback and maybe the learning curve is very steep and I could measure success very quickly of the learning curve.
2: Hmm. Interesting.
0: So, um, Robin, what do you value most in a friendship?
2: Loyalty and trust.
0: When do you know you can't trust somebody?
2: Uh, when they start talking about somebody else to me.
0: In a good way or a bad way? Bad way. But we talk about people sometimes.
2: That's, a, that's We're a closed th- loop. <laughs> yeah. But, um. Yeah. Typically you can tell, uh, that someone gossips, uh, when, you know, they start gossiping, uh, about someone to you. And that's a big red flag to me.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, I, I, I definitely value that. I, I definitely value trust, loyalty. I, it's hard to say like what you mean by that. Like
2: well, when I mean loyalty, I mean, like, let's say that there's somebody that you don't trust in your f- world of friendships and you, uh, are, are hurt by somebody. Um, and some, and another friend sees that they've done that to you, but yet they're still friends with that person.
0: Yeah. Though no, you know what, actually that's interesting. That's bothered me too with people, yeah. uh, Uh, I would say, I would say for me, what I value most in friendship is definitely trust is a big deal. It's gotta be also, you know, I hate to say it, but it's gotta be interesting to me. Like they, they offer not interesting, but they offer value in my life. Like they're there when I need them, they show up for me and I show up for them. So it's always, it's always mutual. And I think all and and they're not fair weather. Like when things are bad, they don't abandon you. I've lost lots of friends that way. And I guess also it's not important to me. And it's important. I think to say what's not important in this, it's not important to me what someone's political beliefs are. Like I have friends whose political beliefs are all over the place. Now I won't be friends with someone who I think is like racist or anti-semitic or whatever. And I would never be, I don't like being friends with people who, who I think in general in their lives are dishonest. Like they cheat on people or, or they're, they're they're criminals. But I think what their political beliefs are, as long as I can have a conversation with them about it Mm -hmm. and it doesn't turn into like a hate, a shouting match. Mm -hmm. Like, like for instance, one of my closest friends is my business partner, Dan. We don't believe politically on a lot of issues, but we're able to discuss them Mm -hmm. and we've actually never had like an angry argument in the 22 years we've worked together. So even if yeah. we disagree on things. Right. And that's important too, so that we can move forward even through our disagreements. So we could sure. dis- just... Like if we have disagreements in business, those are important to resolve, but we're able to resolve them after after 22 yeah, years of having these discussions. I think
2: it's so silly to to like just only have friends that that uh, believe the same way you believe in politically. I mean, because it's not about the person. Like you, you could have... I mean, I don't care what they believe politically. It's just you—you you, you enjoyed their friendship, and their morals. Their uh, just—I think that's the most important. It's just the person. So I think it's really silly to to just only be around people that are believe the way you believe politically. I yeah, like let's say let's say you're like,
0: let's even take an extreme. Let's say you're in an old age home and you're 90 years old. So it's not like you're going to, you might not even live for the next election where you climate changes. You could care about it, but it's not going to affect you because you're going to die soon. And there's a friend in the room next to you or a person in the room next to you who is fun to play games with. You talk about your memories. You've had similar experiences, mm-hmm. but let's say you really believe in climate change and this person really doesn't believe in climate change. It's not like you're going to say, Oh, I can't be friends with that person. Right. Like it's who are you going to be friends with? Like you've got you to, don't
2: talk about it. And you just, I don't know, you just move or if you on talk about it.
0: You, you, you could joke around like, Oh, you probably, I don't know, want to burn the world down or whatever. Anyway. But, uh, uh, I think that, I think that's important to me as well. And Jay, what, what do you value in a friendship?
1: Uh I think I, I think I'm similar with James. Like, you know, you show up for me and I show up to you. It's the, the trust and the the it's mainly the trust, actually. Like, yeah. like Robin said too. So like it's a bit of both of you. And I really don't appreciate like people that talk down to other people. I use I lost a friendship. Like, yeah, he helped me before, but like every time he he will like talk down to me, he he treat me like like you know, I'm second class person. You know, like he's like the big man in the house, and I'm the small man in the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So, so it's interesting. So, this is set two. We we had gone through set one, but these I just the last one or two questions were from set two, which is escalating intimacy. And notice, like as opposed to like, oh, who would you want as a dinner? Who would you like to have as a dinner guest? This is more like, what do you value in a friendship? You know, uh, is there something you've dreamed of doing? This is more really about a deeper layer of you that you're asking about and so i'm gonna skip to set three there's like 12 questions in set two um like how here's a question how do you feel about your relationship with your mother that was in set two um what we're not roles answering do,
2: any of those
0: no no i'm just i'm just saying them what roles do love and affection play in your life uh what is your most terrible memory blah blah, blah. but okay set three this is supposed to be the the highest maybe not the most escalating it could be but this is the next level of escalation this is what they this set was the final set in their experiment that they did, uh, make three true we statements. For instance, we are both in this room feeling, so you can see how now it's going from something really, uh, personal and deeper about you to, to now the escalation is now it's about us. We're like in this together now. So, so make, make three true we statements.
2: Okay. So we are both in this room feeling excited about our podcast.
0: Yeah. And I would say like on our first date, I think we were both in that restaurant feeling. We wanted to talk more about each other than about the original topic, which was investments. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I'll go to another question. We don't have to say three. Um, see, you can see how these are escalating. Tell your partner, like, let's say it's a date, Tell your partner something that you like about them already. So like on that first date, I liked about, well, I liked how pretty you were. Uh Uh, I liked how, I liked your values on parenting. Uh And I liked the, you had been through some really tough experiences and, and really I've gotten through them in amazing ways. And I really admired you for that.
2: Yeah. So, uh, I mean, the same, um, made that first night. Um, I really enjoyed the fact that you were a good listener, that you were very smart, very intelligent, and very kind and real.
0: Yeah. Okay, here's another one. This is a funny one given what's going on with Dave Chappelle, but what, if anything, is too serious to be joked about? I don't want to answer that one right now. Um, But here's an interesting one. When did you last cry in front of another person
2: Me? Yeah. Uh, About four days ago in front of my son.
0: Really? What did you cry about?
2: Oh, he was just telling me some things that he felt uh, when he repatriated last year. And it made me sad that he Hmm. he actually felt that way.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, and that, that is very revealing. It shows, you know, what kind of mother you are. It shows you, you know, how you have empathy with people and so on. And I think probably the last time I cried in front of another person was in front of you. I'm I'm probably a crybaby in front of
2: you.
0: No. I I remember when, I remember when it was like overwhelming. I I cry in
2: front of you too.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You cry in front of me. Uh, uh, I remember when it was just overwhelming, like everything that was going on with this stupid article, which I keep talking about, but I got to move past it. But, but this is the last time I think I cried really in front of you was it was like, I couldn't even believe so many people were, were like, like Jerry Seinfeld, one of my one-time heroes was writing an article just insulting me, not even addressing the issues. And, he doesn't even know you. Yeah. And people, and people I did know who I had helped were trashing me on Twitter and Whatever. But and, those
2: aren't your friends. You thought but that's they were. I, but, and know, that's I, the sad part. Yeah, that that thought, was the sad
0: part actually to me. And and the reality is I've had so many instances like that, like, really, you are now trashing me. Like mm. I I that it just it was a little overwhelming because I've had yeah. it happen before, but that was a little overwhelming. And yeah. It's so good that you, you know ha-
2: that now. It's good that you know who your really friends are because
0: basically just the two of you, people on this call.
2: <laughs> no, no, that's not true. Friends. I've
0: I've I've actually met a lot of wonderful people oh. through this podcast too. Yeah, you too, do and have friends. Yeah, true friends. Yeah, I've have, I've have, I've. Have you don't friends.
2: need so many true friends. I mean, just you just need a few friends. That's all you need. Yeah, just your inner circle.
0: Here's some other sample questions. We don't have to answer them. Um, share with your partner an embarrassing moment in your life. You know, that's that's very revealing. I've got a lot of those. If you were to become a close friend, please share what would be important for him or her to know. Complete the sentence: I wish I had someone with whom I could share X. Of all the people in your family, whose death would you find most disturbing? Why? Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, any of our kids yeah. would, would be. Uh, share a personal personal problem and ask your your and and ask for advice on how she he or she might handle it. So again, these are like very not only revealing, but you're including the other person. So that's the escalation. So the first one is, you know, of the, who would you want to have dinner with sort of variety? The second set is, you know, telling things about yourself that, you know, like what's your dreams and stuff like that. Uh, The third thing is either saying something embarrassing that you wouldn't normally say, normally say about yourself. Like when was the last time you cried or they're about us? Like, tell me how you feel about me. So, so that's like the next level of escalation. And again, the key always is to have nonstop, you know, this is, so if you want to, if if you're on a date or you're in an intimate situation or with a potential stranger or a potential, you know, romantic partner, escalating intimacy like this is very powerful. And this scientific study, and there's been other studies like this, uh, they, they show that it works. And again, the paper is, the experimental generation of interpersonal closeness. And they kind of give all these questions there, which you don't have to use these questions, but they kind of give a sense of the kind of escalation. Now, what if it's just small talk at a party, not with somebody you're going to be a romantic relationship with, but maybe it's a boss or a coworker or, uh, someone you're selling or a neighbor. Uh, so there's a different set of questions, uh, for that. And, I'll just, I'll just read quickly some of the questions. We don't have to answer them right now. Uh, when was, so here's in the first part, the, the beginning of small talk, when was the last time you walked for more than an hour, describe where you went and what you saw, what was the best gift you ever received? Uh, do you read a newspaper often and which one do you prefer? What is a good number of people to, uh, to have in a, a student household? If you could invent a new flavor of ice cream, what would it be? So I always feel like I don't know how I would bring those questions up. It, like, how would you bring up the ice cream one? What what's a new What's a new flavor? If you could invent the new flavor of ice cream, what would it be?
2: I just say that.
0: <laughs> okay. Oh, what? Well, how about you guys? What's answer your favorite that ice
2: cream uh, flavor? And then say, well, if you were to make one up, what would you make up?
1: What would you make up? Me? Yeah. Uh, I feel like all the ice cream. Oh, you know what's really good? Skito ice cream. What Skittle? You know S- Skittles? Skittle ice cream. I've never had a Skittle.
2: That would be good.
1: Yeah, Skittle ice cream. Every every bite, every lick would be like on the tangy. ice cream. Would be mm. yeah, tangy and different flavor. Yeah, that's, that's a good idea. I feel, idea. Like, like, I feel like I would want
0: I would want waffle ice cream, <laughs> like an ice really? cream that tastes like mm. the flavor of waffles. Or you know what? How about plantain vanilla ice cream? Plantain.
1: That sounds greasy. <laughs> well,
0: that's. <laughs> Is it let's say you could have that without. <laughs> Let's say you could have the flavor without uh, the grease. Maybe maybe the flavor includes the grease. I would have yeah, a the biddle, of the honey.
2: biddle honey, honey ice cream. What's that biddle honey? Biddle honey. I like that candy. What's biddle? Biddle honey. It's like it's it? an old it's an old fashioned candy that you know how that candy I was eating by the no. side of the bed and all those packages.
0: Oh, what, how all do you spell it? the
2: wrappers were like on the floor and everything.
0: How do you spell it?
2: B i t t and then. O, I think, and then honey, mm, so good, or Let's like see. sugar daddy. Oh, bit, oh, oh, bit.
1: Oh, oh honey. Bit, oh, honey.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I had to Google to see. It's a bit b i t t dash o oh, dash yeah. honey.
2: Yep.
0: Um, let me see. Or what, remember, what?
2: remember, sugar daddy and sugar babies.
0: I never had any of these. No. <laughs> so, bit oh, maybe honey. they shouldn't
2: have that name anymore. That, that would probably be. Cancel. They probably
0: get
1: canceled right away.
0: Sugar it's, daddy. It, it's funny. They uh, Biddle Honey was started in 1924 mm-hmm. um, and by the Schroeder Johnson Company in Chicago. I wish and we could buy a new buy kind that. of candy bar consisting of six pieces wrapped in wax paper and then packaged mm-hmm. in a cover wrapper. And the candy consists of almond bits embedded in a honey flavored taffy, which makes Yummy. for long chewing candy. Ew, I don't like that. I love it. I feel like I'm chewing forever and stuff like that. Then it was merged into the Ward Candy Company of New York City in 1969, which had they made Oh Henry, Raisinets, uh, and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And it was and then they made a chocolate flavored version called Biddle Chocolate. Oh, I and never then that. they were acquired by Turson Company in 1981. And then hmm. they uh, Turson Company sold Biddle Honey to Nestle in 1984. <laughs> And Mm -hmm. in 2013, Nestle sold Biddle honey to Pearson's candy company. Mm -hmm. And then in 2020, a few months ago, Spangler candy company bought it. So it's funny how all the different mergers and stuff that the, the lifespan of a brand goes through. So, Mm -hmm. but anyway, um, so that's, so that's in the first level of small talk and other ones are, do you like to get up early or stay up late? Blah, blah, blah. So you, you, or no, sorry. That was in the second one. Another first one is, um, what's the best restaurant you've been in? Describe the last pet you owned. What's your favorite holiday? Blah, blah, blah. Set two Christmas. where it escalates. It, it, set two where it escalates. Describe the last time you went to the zoo or, uh, do you like to get up early or stay up late? Or, uh, what did you do this summer? So it's a little bit more, it requires more storytelling Mm. in set two, uh, because like, Oh, when's the last thing you had to do? Why'd you go? Who'd you go with? Like it's, it leads to other questions as opposed to like name a a flavor of candy you would invent. And then set three is what was your high school? Like, uh, uh, describe your mother's best friend. How often do you get your hair cut? Uh, so it's a lot more personal. Do Do you think left left handed people are more creative than right handed people? And then I guess that again leads to stories. Like if you're if you right. oh my brother is left handed and he does this, and so you, it'll yeah. it leads to more stories. Do you subscribe to any magazines? Which at first sounds kind of very small talkish, but then you realize oh if this person just respond just re- yeah. uh, subscribes to war magazines and gun magazines, that there's a <laughs> there's stories behind this. Yeah, or <laughs> it's very revealing. Um, <laughs> So uh, what foreign country would you most like to visit? Actually, well, let me ask both of you because you both have traveled internationally and Jay grew up internationally and Robin, you spent uh-huh. uh, like 15 years traveling, living mm-hmm. abroad. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what country now that you've never been to would both of you like to visit?
1: I think Robin should go first. Robin has more stories to tell because she, she's she been to more country than me.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I'd say... Uh... Maybe Argentina, somewhere in South America, or you know, actually, really, where I would like to go is um, uh, the South Pole.
1: Oh yeah! Mm -hmm. Oh whoa! Is Is South Pole a country?
2: Well, it's it's sort of a region. Yeah, it's South Pole.
1: Yeah, it's a country. And I would
2: like to go on a uh, you know an icebreaker and go do explore exploration
1: stuff that's so brave i just want to go to japan and eat all the sushi
0: (laughs) yeah i would like to go to that
1: restaurant that's a great
2: place
0: i would like to go to that restaurant featured in the documentary hero dreams of sushi that looks like a good restaurant
1: yeah james you would love japan
2: too
1: yeah japan is great robin is like i want to be explorer jay is like i just want to eat yeah robin either wants to go
0: to outer space space or or ten thousand feet underwater
2: i've all over this, the land of this world, and I've been, you know, I've been diving in everywhere. So underwater. So now I want to explore space.
0: Is there such a thing as volcano diving? Like, can you go wear no. like a suit
1: and go in the? No, I don't no think so no. Yeah, you can get close to it. Yeah, you but can. I don't think you can. Yeah, you can get even mm-hmm. even though when you get closer, you have to be like have to be yeah. very cautious. Yeah. and you can be go over a
2: helicopter, and you can go. Yeah some yeah you can go close which would be fun too yeah
0: the point of all this again is this is based on some research in the experimental generation of interpersonal closeness done by a bunch of professors they took thousands of subjects and uh, and had them either ask these questions or not and their their point was is that to establish quick intimacy you need to and I'll, I'll just read their exact statement again um okay to establish quick intimacy You need to, uh, develop, you need to create sustained, escalating, reciprocal, personalistic self-disclosure. And they come up with a set of questions, whether you're in a romantic situation or a non-romantic situation, they come up with a set of questions that are to be done in order because they involve the escalating. And ultimately you're revealing like very deep things about yourself. Like, Oh, what are you, what are you most scared to reveal to somebody? that might be a potential top escalation and the beginning escalation might be, Oh, why do you like this restaurant or, you know, that sort of thing. So, uh, if you want the full list of questions, I'll write it down. Maybe I'll put it on my LinkedIn newsletter, uh, which you could find by finding me on LinkedIn at James Altucher
2: or your new it- notepad.
0: Oh yeah. Or we're, we haven't launched it yet, but we're about to launch a project called notepad where you get to keep track of your idealists. So more on that in the future. Meanwhile, stay tuned for another upcoming episode where Robin and I will find out our intimacy quotient. We will take the IQ test, and I will show you guys what the intimacy quotient test is like, so you could determine in your relationships how intimate you guys are.
1: When when that when 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 we're recording the podcast, you will see Jay sitting in the corner just crying.
0: <laughs> yeah, Jay's gonna be sad there's any lonely young women out there who want a good person in their lives, Jay has gone from homeless <laughs> to beggar. I just saw one. I mean, he didn't even, he would just grunt. He like grew up with the wolves and I took him and I said, you could be an audio engineer, young man. And he went from audio engineer to super producer of podcasts. and. It's really been amazing. So, thank
1: you. I traded my smen- sense of smell to the sense of hearing.
0: I'm not sure what that means, but yeah. <laughs> and so, ladies out there, write write in or tweet that you love the podcast. And Jay always checks the Twitter. Yes. <laughs> and thank you. And once again, if you if you like what you heard here, please follow this podcast so you don't miss one. Robin, thanks for coming on. Also thank tell. You. Tell me if you like Robin because we all want validation <laughs> of our choices. <laughs> and um, see you guys next time. Thanks you guys. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Thanks. Thank Bye. you. <laughs>